A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. What is that? That's the second time it's gone off. They never go home. They never go home. They never go home, those, those, those boys. That's, yeah, they have asked for that, really. Well, you can laugh. I'm to walk up. I'm a little bit of an idealist, but having said that, I want to be like me. You don't know what you're talking about. What did you know? I managed to stay alive for six and a half. I'd say it to your face, and I'll say it to you now. I'm down to Anfield, and we'll see them, won't we? What you doing down here, you shawnee man? It is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again because there is no effort without error and shortcoming, but who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who, at the best, knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who, at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. This is my, my way of explaining to you, Ken, that I was part of the second captain's team that competed at yesterday's World Refugee Day Fair Play Cup oh, and that we were eliminated at the group stage with zero <laughs> victories to our name. But we were at least in the arena. <laughs> Welcome to the football pod, everyone. Oh, and if you're quoting Teddy Roosevelt, I know it's Fair Play Cup time. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Uh, but I probably do that every time we're involved. An opening 3-0 defeat by the Homeless Street League team. Those guys, Oof. those guys are good. Right. Yeah, but it wasn't an auspicious start, Ken, i got to be honest. And let's not worry about which member well, of the 3-0, second you're, captain's you're, team. You're immediately under pressure, of course. Why? What What? what happened? Uh, uh, we don't have to worry about who was in goals for the 3-0, Hammering. Let's, not, let's just not get into details, you know. We win as a team. Did Teddy Roosevelt also say we win as a team, we lose as a team? <laughs> <laughs> he said, speak softly and carry a big stick. Is that in any way applicable? Um, maybe I needed a bigger stick to organise my defence in front of me, Ken. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Followed by a come from behind... 2-2 draw against the Vietnamese team. I'm not sure if you've seen the set-piece routine here for our late equaliser again. Um, Some Owen, say it was all Owen, Alan Cawley. To, to, the truth is, I have seen it, and I was blown yeah. away by the quality. Yeah. It, uh, and I immediately felt myself uh, transported back in time and space to the banks of the Volga, a place where I, <laughs> I don't know if I remember going to go back there, uh, the way things are at the mm. moment, Owen, uh, mm. to Nizhny Novgorod. Uh, where I sat uh, at a very pleasant outdoor bar uh, with uh, a guy who claimed to work for the uh, Russian nationalist uh, politician Vladimir Zhirinovsky. Uh, this guy claimed to be his sort of private secretary or, I don't know, whatever, spad. 
And uh, we were so drunk at that point that he was he was setting up a meeting between me and Vladimir Zhirinovsky for the following se- uh, following morning, not the following season, right. following morning. Uh, and we continued to drink so much that, of course, this meeting never happened. So I never no. did get to meet Vladimir Zhirinovsky. And I can say with certainty that I never will get to meet Vladimir Zhirinovsky because he died earlier this year. Uh, but while we were having this uh, conversation... Uh, a World Cup match was playing out on the TV in front of us. I believe it was Germany against Sweden. And it looked as though Sweden were going to knock Germany out of the World Cup in the first round, rather like the second captain team from the Fair Play Cup. It looked as though they were headed for a group stage exit when suddenly Germany got a free kick uh, out on the left side of the box. Standing over the ball was Marco Royce and mm. Tony Kroos. And I guess in this footage, Owen, you were uh, playing the part of Marco Royce and it was Alan Cawley in the role of Tony Kroos who blasted the ball across everybody and into the far top corner. Yes, yes, Ken. Yes, I'm glad you noticed my role in this, just the little stepping over well, the ball. You know, you've got to keep the defenders guessing and then allow Alan Cawley to strike it into the top it corner. Was, thanks, it thanks was misdirection. Um, you were you rambling were around over the ball. Uh, I, I felt that some somehow the threat, the implied threat of your presence was somewhat <laughs> negated by the fact that you were facing away from goal. Uh, no, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> uh, unless you're I literally a, said to Alan, do you want me to, to touch this to you? And he goes, no. And I went, okay. And that conversation was happening as I was walk- I was just kind of walked over the ball. Did you notice Mark Horgan's decoy run? David O'Doherty making a nuisance of himself in the six-yard box. Still claiming credit for the final touch, by the way. See, it was a thing of complex beauty, Ken. Yeah, yeah. That's what it was. Some people just think it was our, our by a mile, our best player and honorary second captain's member, Alan Colley, like whacking the ball into the top corner. But there was so much more to it than that. I'm glad you've spotted yeah, it. Yeah, that was lovely. It was lovely stuff. But, but what was the... Um yeah, sorry. So I played outfield in that game. I should mention I, I, I did. I may have made a defensive mistake that led to one of their goals, as Brian Kerr pointed out to me after the match. Brian is uh, heavily involved with this, this day out, so I was, I was, you know, it was nice for a, a former Republic of Ireland manager to, to spot my mistake and just, just show me where I could possibly improve. <laughs> nice. uh, and then we were left needing a win in our final match to have a chance of going through, but a one-all draw against Rohingya consigned us to first round elimination although Simon Hick did at least have the dream scenario a scenario of scoring a goal in front of his son Seve. Oh, so, unbelievable. Yeah, that's nice, isn't it? That's that's a that's a nice thing to be able to do. Yeah, absolutely. Isn't there yeah. no footage of that moment? Uh, I don't think we have any footage. No. Bloody good footballer Seve, by the way. I was I was tempted to draft him in at one stage. I think he just just needs a couple more years growth and he'll be very much Well, Seve plays team. plays up in Fairview Park, you know. Yeah, um, and I did. I recently uh, stumbled across one of his games, actually. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I was I, I went out for a jog, you know, oh, a run, I should say. Actually, nobody says jog. It wasn't. It was more of a run than a jog. And uh, and as I was running around the pitch, I said, "That's Simon Hick standing by the side. That's that is. I'm pretty sure that's Simon standing there watching these kids playing. Seven must be playing a game. So I uh, ran over." I did the thing where I tapped uh, Simon on the on one shoulder while standing on the other side, but he no. somehow. Oh, did uh, you yeah, get him? You know, no, I didn't. <laughs> what? I, That's a, that, that never fails. I know. I, I somehow I managed to do it, and it failed. Like I tapped him on the on the left shoulder while standing on his right, and he just turned around and looked at me, and I was like, oh. oh, "Hey, Simon." <laughs> I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure he even noticed me trying to do the bantering the, yeah, thing. Yeah, the hilarious so guy. I didn't. Wrong I, yeah. This may be the first he he knows that I tried, I tried to do that as he edits this. <laughs> but uh, uh, I said, oh, you know, Seth must be fine. And, and looked at the, and, and all I could see was all these kids sort of standing around. And it turned out that uh, that actually the game had just been abandoned uh, because the other team um, had had a meltdown. Oh, right. Because of a ghost goal. 
Oh, a ghost wow. skull, which had, which they believe should have been awarded, but was not awarded. Uh, uh, this was uh, basically, and and thankfully people do film a lot of these games, so I was able to see video of this incident later on. And to be honest, it definitely wasn't conclusive. I can't I can't say if it was over the line or not, but it was a sort of a looping header that sort of hit the post, bounced down, and and the player in the line, <laughs> the player in the line kicked it away. And I, you know, I don't think you could say it was definitely over, but certainly the coaching staff of the other team felt that it could. Whereupon they they declared that they would not complete the game and led their players, their bemused nine-year-old players, <laughs> led their players away. And I thought, this is, this is insane. But it turned out that actually it, the whole atmosphere of the game was a tinderbox because, right. because of previous violent incidents which had already erupted on the sideline. While again, all of the kids stood and quietly watched <laughs> I just quietly thinking, oh, I wonder when they're going to stop fighting and we can keep playing our game so uh, so I haven't actually got to see any of this it was it did seem as though there was a lot of off off field drama the intorno the intorno that swirls around uh, football uh, it seems to be uh, always at fever pitch so maybe one day I will get to see but uh, yeah it's great to see the, the grassroots well unfortunately Sevy's a couple of years away from you know getting involved in the in the fair play cup we, we know the short term our answer is to get the main man Richie Sadler back fit and healthy for this time next year so if you see Richie just just give him just egg it on just you know let's let's encourage him he can he can do it we can get our number nine back fit and do some damage next year but it's great to be involved in the tournament as we have been for a good few years now it's just an unbelievable day out and brilliant stuff organising by UNHCR and Sari Sport Against Racism Ireland Selling a little? Or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. It's a beautiful summer's day. The breeze is... Stupendous. 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 Would this podcast be even more stupendous without ads? Without ads? Ads. If so, then join us for daily commercial-free shows at secondcaptains.com for just five euro a month. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm not bumping them up. I'm not Irish. I'm just saying my observations, they are amazing. Stupendous. All right, Ken, we're at what, June 27th here. This is peak transfer rumours slash confirmed transfer stories time for the football pod on a Monday, so... What have you got for me yeah. today? Well, a very typical football story that I saw today is Jeannie Van Aldem, um with a tweet uh, saying, 
uh, on holidays with my bro. Can you guess where we are? And there is a picture of him standing in a boat with, I guess, his bro. And uh, behind him is very obviously Dubai. <laughs> literally, literally couldn't be anywhere else. So Gene Van Allen, like many of the football world, uh, heading out for um, the first of what they hope will be a couple of visits to uh, the Middle Eastern region um, this year. Uh, as they as, as they celebrate the, their freedom from the game, uh, which they play for most of the time. Now, what is actually happening uh, transfer-wise? Gabriel Jesus is uh, probably the big uh, transfer today anyway. Yeah. Uh, he has joined uh, Arsenal. So this is a reversal of the Arsenal to Man City pipeline, which was established in the first years of the, um, of the Abu Dhabi uh, takeover at City. Um, not that many players have gone the other way, but Gabriel Jesus obviously has... Uh, well, I mean, it's sort of interesting, um, like, why they would... Uh, why they would sell a guy who's at, who's, you know, I mean, he's still only 25 years old. Uh, I mean, he's played for them several seasons. Um, I mean, he scored nearly 100 goals for the club. And they obviously decide that the, he's reached his ceiling and he's not going to be, um, you know. Well, isn't it more really about worth... the players that they brought in as well? You know, I mean, they've brought in Haaland for a start. Yeah, they've, they've, they've brought in Haaland, but then you, you get this whole um, question of, well, what position is Gabriel Jesus anyway? Yeah. And uh, I saw Tim Vickery got in some, uh, had some trouble with Arsenal fans last week when he suggested, uh, I, I'm not sure what he was actually on. Was he on Sky? Was he on, he was on, he, he, there was a video of him talking about this mm -hmm. anyway, this, and basically what he said in the video was that, Gabriel Jesus needed to needed to establish what kind of a player he really was. Is he a centre forward or is he kind of more of a winger or a support forward? You know, one of these kind of, oh, why don't I? I get as much pleasure from assisting as from scoring. One of those type of guys, right? And he had pointed out that in the 2018 World Cup, uh, Gabriel Jesus was the guy who got the nod as Brazil's centre forward. Um, you know, they, the... The option, I suppose, at that time was Firmino. You know, I mean, we're not really talking about a centre forward here. I mean, Neymar is the main attacking player, and that, and Coutinho is also an important player in that 2018 team. But so so the so the centre forward wasn't necessarily going to be like a uh, oh we look to you for all our goals. Yeah. You lead us, our, our number nine. It's not like that. It's more of a kind of a false nine. Jesus got the uh, job. And it didn't go well. Uh, he didn't score any goals. And obviously, Brazil got knocked out in the quarterfinal. And, um, and, and Vickery's contention was that this had left him... This was a massive blow to his confidence, really. You know, that, that you know, can I really cut it at the, at the top level as a centre forward? And link this to his kind of, uh, you know, often turning up in the right wing for City, which I had always, I must say, assumed was just Guardiola saying, look, you, you know, I'm the coach. I decide where you play. You, you're a forward... Uh, everyone in my team is a midfielder anyway, really. So it makes no difference. You can play on the right, you know, whatever. Um, but f in, for this, Vickery, Tim Vickery was buried under an avalanche of Arsenal really? rage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Arsenal rage flowed like lava down the mountain and consumed Tim Vickery. Uh, much, I think, to his amusement. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm a bit <laughs> amused by that as well. It seems like a fairly <laughs> innocuous, um, you know, t tactical point to raise. And, and, and a fair, I would have thought a fair one. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but I, I guess people just don't like. I mean, you want to be really happy. You want to celebrate was... your new signing. You want to hear how how amazing. Tell us how amazing our new player is. Is, is all you want to hear as a football fan when you've signed a new player? I guess that's as opposed to you know they 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 maybe thought Tim Vickery. I don't believe that Tim Vickery was trying to do this, although he is a Tottenham fan. But that he was trying to uh, rain on their parade in some sense, uh, and they weren't they weren't having it. So. Um, anyway, you know, I think the point that that he make that he make uh, made rather still stands, and I guess what Jesus is doing with this move to Arsenal is he is becoming. I mean, he is going to be the centre forward there. I can't see any other way he fits into that team. You know, with the other players, Arsenal have so far signed Fabio Vieira, who's kind of more of a number ten, um, definitely more of a. Uh, he's not. He's certainly not a striker. Let's say. Um, so it looks as though they are bringing. Uh, Jesus in in order that he can help to knit together this very impressive sort of second line of attackers that Arsenal have put together. And I mean here obviously the likes of Martinelli, Odegaard, uh, Smith, Rowe, Saka, you know, uh, I mean Nketiah is also still there obviously as a as a you know more of a conventional center forward, but you'd imagine um Jesus with his price tag and also with his experience that's the role that they've earmarked for him. And, you know, uh, it's going to be interesting to see if he can... Uh, I mean, he's obviously a player that Mikel Arteta has worked with before at City. So, reckons that he's capable of uh, of being the centre forward that really neither... I mean, Lacazette was okay. But, like, when he was in sort of... Uh, I am the... I'm the centre forward whose job is to help all these other players come together. When he was in that mode, he never scored. Hmm. So... Um, it, so you've it got is, to be able do, to do It is both. a good signing, I think, though. You know, for all the reservations that the, it's a, it's a fair, it's a, it's not even a reservation the way you describe it there with Tim Vickery's talking. About. It's just, a, it's just an obvious, it's a tactical point. You know, you're not getting an out and out number nine. It's a different sort of a player. Certainly, that's the way he has been playing. And in fairness, though, Tim did say that that maybe the confidence is down now as well, so that wouldn't appeal much to Arsenal fans. But you're getting a player who's been. A pretty good player for Man City for the last number of years. Played 159 times in the Premier League. I'm just looking at it. And, you know, like 90 goals or assists in that time, uh, as well as all the false nine stuff that Pep constantly praised about him. You know, the not yeah. traditional uh, qualities that you associate with a striker type qualities. He's bringing all that. So I I, I would be, I actually would be quite excited to think of it as an Arsenal fan. It's not like you're bringing the best player in the world. But I mean, from, for where Arsenal are at and where they're trying to get to, it seems like, Pretty good buy. Yeah, and you know, it's also um it's it's interesting for City as well to to sell a player for a lot of money. Um it's not like it's unheard of, but you know, he was going into the last year of his of his contract. Um and the transfer fee that they've brought in for him almost covers the transfer fee that they've had to pay for Erling Haaland. Now I know that Erling Haaland um with that deal uh, the the cost of the deal is more in the in sort of wages and commission side than than the transfers. I mean, the transfer fee they got Holland for is incredible. You know, I mean, it's it's it's, it's mm. a special, very special price. Um, but you know, they do have some um, some uh, some significant income here from from sales. I mean, obviously, Bazunu has joined Southampton, and that's another twelve million for for Man City. So they're also bringing in then um, Calvin Phillips. I mean, this is something we mentioned a couple of weeks ago. Um, that they were uh, they were looking at bringing him in. I mean, again, you know, I'm I'm looking at Phillips and thinking, I I don't know if he's necessarily a first team player for City, um, but it is a long season, and you know, you've got five subs in every game from now on. Um, so I guess 
there's not going to be a shortage of dispensable <laughs> minutes, let's say. And, you know, I mean, I don't mean to say Phillips isn't that good either. I mean, he's he's good. But I always feel as though he's he's his best uh, attributes are off the ball attributes, you know, which I, which every team needs, I suppose. It's just that City spend less time off the ball than any other team. So, um, but, you know, I mean, I guess from City's point of view, you've got a player who's who they can get for a price which to them is pretty affordable who is an established England international I mean they've, they've got a few of them and um, you know it's it's a deal which uh, again he could end up sitting there like Fabian Delph um, or maybe he'll maybe he'll do a bit better, bit better than that we'll have to wait who else is moving where give me, give me one more Ken um, well what else is happening uh, give me a couple more if you want well, the Frankie de Jong thing is sort of continuing to inch toward uh, the what looks like the likely conclusion of of him joining Man United, who are also supposedly now interested in, in Talia Fico, the fullback from what's this Ajax, uh, <laughs> who uh, may be available. Uh, I see that Chelsea are trying to get rid of Hakim Ziyech to AC Milan. I'm kind of wondering if Man United have noticed this yet. I mean, there's another um, former uh, former Ericsson Hag player who appears to be on the market. Chelsea's, uh, the big news of Chelsea though today is, is Petr Cech has left Chelsea. So that means right. now the entire sort of team of uh, officials who were, you know, the club hierarchy, let's say, who were in charge of bringing in or, or of, of shaping the squad of recruitment ever since Thomas Tuchel has been there, they've all now left. Bruce Book, Marina Granovska and, um, and Petr Cech, who supposedly... Todd Bowley um, wanted to stay at least for one more window. You can imagine he's sort of come in. I mean, it's not like he's dealt with this situation before, and now he's kind of uh, all of the people who had experience yeah, in this often, area. Like a transition team is that what they call? Often, often, yeah, um, new owners would like people involved in pre- previous regime to be there to tell them how to do the job for the first while, <laughs> how yeah, everything works. Yeah. But, but as far as Jack's concerned, it's not the club he fell in love with. And one of the, I think it was Matt Law in the Telegraph reporting that um, that Czech wanted Chelsea to keep Lukaku. You know, he, his view on Lukaku assigning, which he, he evidently was mm. integral to, was that, look, this hasn't worked. But that doesn't mean it can't work. You know, he wouldn't be the first player ever to join a team and then you know, uh, have a bad first season and then come good. And that's what he felt they should have done. Whereas, in fact, what Chelsea have done is quite decisively said, no, let's just, you know, this isn't going to work. We'll take the hit. And he's gone. Um, I'm not sure about the logic there from Czech. I mean, that sounds a bit like an executive who doesn't want to admit that he's made a bad decision. Um, I mean, I think the idea of a resurrection of Lukaku, a resurrection, <laughs> maybe too dramatic, Lukaku regaining his form, let's say, uh, rather than literally resurrecting, regaining his form. Uh, I think one of the ingredients that Lukaku maybe would hope for to help to, to, to catalyze that would be a change of manager. And that's obviously not something Chelsea are considering. I mean, it's not, it's not as though it's unimaginable that Thomas Tuchel might not be at Chelsea for too much longer. Uh, but at the moment... Um, he's he's kind of the entire he's sort of the entire football side of the club right there, right? The, he you know he's the, he's the man, um, you know, with experience in football who is in a senior position at the club. So uh, I just I don't know if, if the Lukaku Tuchel thing was ever yeah. really going to work after the way that it had gone. So just as well to get rid of him, I think. Um, the other Bale Gareth Bale has gone to LA, not LA Galaxy, but LAFC. 
and this is where he reckons is a good place to uh i don't i don't want to say rest up but um get himself in in tip-top shape ahead of the world cup in qatar uh, it is a lovely climate um there's a great wellness industry there you know uh, there's a lot of great golf courses well there's uh, also a football team that will pick him in the team as well which actually probably will help quite a bit yeah um well i mean i'm sure there's i'm sure he could have got a game <laughs> I don't think no, compared to Real madrid that's what i'm saying though just actually oh, getting well, out of yeah. madrid and, and everyone else I don't know how well, the again, negativity in the, in his career in the last couple of years didn't rub off on his performances with Wales. You know, he just came in as this completely different animal compared to... He was just able to ignore... Well, he wasn't able to ignore it. He was able to... Because when he scored key goals for Wales in that period, he was shoving it down the throat of uh, Real Madrid yeah. as some celebration, goal celebrations uh, that are popping into my head are reminding me. But anyway, he should be in a happy place and actually playing a bit of football is my point at a, at a level that you would imagine who knows I mean there have been some big name players who haven't really done much over in America there have been some like our own Robbie Keane Robbie Robbie Keane who made a big impact so we'll see which, the, what Garbett from the hated the hated LA Galaxy rivals mm-hmm. um, Giorgio Chiellini is already there um, for uh, in terms of a high profile teammate uh, he's all, he's already at LAFC so um, yeah, hopefully Garbell doesn't get injured. I mean, that's what it's all about. Hold on a second, uh, before we wrap the show here. I mean, we're at the June twenty at June twenty seventh football podcast seems peak Neymar talk mm. territory. So what? what yeah. <laughs> what's going on in Neymar's world? Well, we're at another um, key point in the career of Neymar with PSG. I mean, it's, he's been there for nearly five years. Now it's five years since he um, left Barcelona. And apparently they've set up some situation. I mean, uh, the financial engineers at PSG have have created the intriguing situation whereby um, if Neymar simply stays there for another week, um, uh, a new uh, contract renewal is triggered, taking him all the way up to 2027 at like whatever his wage is of like 40 million euros a year, right? (laughs) Um, Maybe this has something to do with the spate of stories appearing in the French media that PSG are ready to uh, say au revoir to Neymar, um, who has uh, been a tremendous player for them, but perhaps not tra- tremendous, not as tremendous as they were hoping uh, he would be when they paid the $222 million to Barcelona. I mean, the main problem for Neymar is that he has uh, missed so many matches. I mean, I think he's missed about half the matches, mm-hmm. maybe it's slightly more than half the matches since he joined uh, PSG. And in the last season, at least... Uh, there have been signs that the injuries are starting to catch up with him. You know, we see a little bit of a thickening out, uh, a little bit of a slowing down. And uh, this is aside from the kind of, I mean, I don't want to say despair uh, because it's too its too much, but definitely ennui, a sense that uh, of kind of jadedness that Neymar um, sort of projects about his career, you know, where it's ended up. Uh, his day-to-day life as like incredibly um, wealthy, um, but somehow weirdly pointless uh, football. Your thoughts on the Neymar documentary have been well documented. Sim- quite similar yeah. to your thoughts on on the Pogumentary from no Pogmentary from last week, actually. Well, Pog, Pog Pogba at least doesn't seem as miserable as Neymar, right? You know, like Pog, Pogba sort of seems. Um, unless he's sort of you know thinking about his contract and getting resentful. I mean, he seems. Uh, <laughs> 
you know, happy enough to just sort of trundle along. You know, he doesn't, he's not like racked by thoughts of what, what might have been. I mean, at least that certainly wasn't coming across in the old pogmentary. You know, he seems to be happy to sort of hang out with his kids and, you know, whatever. It's just pretty, pretty boring family type stuff. Um, <laughs> whereas Neymar, yeah, I mean, I don't know. But, but as to, I mean, the thing is that there's, there's clearly nowhere that he can go on the wages that they've, that they're paying him. So they've reached the point where, you know, they've, they've, they're paying Mbappe like this insane amount. He's clearly the star. Remember that Neymar was meant to be the star. I mean, this was his whole, the whole reason for leaving, um, for leaving Barcelona was to kind of, to come into his own, to have a team that was built around him and to achieve his full potential and all that. And none of that has happened. And clearly now that never will happen. You know, it's obvious that it, that it won't happen. Like, he doesn't have, he no longer is physically capable of being the player that he uh, once was uh, or that, you know, five years ago um, he dreamed he could become. Mm-hmm. It's not going to happen. Uh, and so you've got this guy who has got a certain amount of regret uh, and, you know, obviously isn't too happy about his situation, hasn't been for years but he's still there and he's incredibly highly paid and he's still kind of dictating a lot of what happens around the team. So obviously this is, you'd rather not have him there. The only question is when, when someone is on so much money, um, how are you actually going to, are you going to have to pay them a lot of money to go away? Yeah. I mean, is that really what's going to happen here? Uh, or are they going to try and sort of uh, drag this one out for another season? I think that's probably what's going to happen. But these stories um, that are coming out about him do seem, I would say, I mean, PSG have recently had a, had a big, um, I mean, I think their their coach is still officially Maurizio Pochettino, but he's gone, and the new coach is going to be Christophe Galtier, who uh, is the guy who led uh, Lille to their recent um, league championship. They they won the championship last season, you know, beating PSG in the championship. So they've he was at Nice for a year, but they've brought in both Luis Campos as director of football. He was working uh, first of all with Monaco. We remember when Monaco put together that good team that got to the Champions League um, semi-final in 2017 uh, and sold Mbappe to to Paris. Then he went to Lille and bought a lot of good players there. He he he's the maestro behind the Nicolas Pepe to Arsenal for what, what was it 400 billion euros, whatever the deal was. Uh, uh, it was an inc- it was an incredible deal from the Lille point of view. So now he's at PSG, and I guess he's part of the new room. And one of the things he wants to sweep out is Neymar, but he's going to he's going to need a bigger room. Is all I'm saying. Oh. Thanks for listening today. The Second Captains podcast is part of the Acast Creator Network. Don't forget, all episodes of the pod are ad free if you become a member at secondcaptains.com for a fiver a month. Thanks, Ken. Thank you. Owen. Thanks, everyone. We'll talk soon. It's the second time it's gone off. They never go home, they never go home, they never go home, those, those, those boys. It is not war and death and famine, it's not that at all. It's the opposite of that, it's to persuade the world outside of that. That's why sport's important.